Hi everybody, welcome to Busy Living Sober, Busy Living Sober, <laughs> Nikki's laughing at me, I'm so excited, I have Nikki, do you want me to call you by your, Nikki, what should we call you? Whatever, I don't Nikki Schnook. Nikki Snook. Snook. Nikki Snook. Nikki Snook is here. He's in the house. (laughs) Nikki is here to tell us his story. And Nikki um, is someone that I met through his actual, his his mother. I met him through his mommy, Carolyn. And um, Nikki, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and where you all began and how old you are and everything else in your journey? Sure. So I'm 32 years young. Um, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm from Port Richmond, Philadelphia. Um, so my journey started, do you want to just go right into sobriety? Well, we can, well, I want to just a little bit about your background and what you, and what you do, like you graduated from high school, you started using at a young age. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So graduated from high school, graduated from Ryan, um, uh, Catholic school. So I went to 12 years of Catholic school. Um, graduated from Ryan. I was a hairstylist, then a makeup artist in New York. And then, yeah, so we'll go back to where I started, like, using. So, when I was about 12 years old, well, we were always allowed, Irish Catholic family were always allowed to drink. Um, So, at family parties, um, I remember one family party in particular me and my friend were playing bartender and we were sipping two-year-old skunked beer and I remember I got drunk I didn't know what it was or how it felt but I, I remember I didn't feel like myself but I was always a discontent kid like I was always ready so I remember being at the carnival and you know how like we as like drug addicts and alcoholics like we can never live in the moment like it takes a lot of practice like it's like a muscle we have to keep working it um so I remember being on the carnival and being on a ride and not even focusing on the ride that I was on I was focused on the next ride that I was going on so I couldn't even enjoy the ride you know my head's bobbing all over the place but I was always worried about the next thing I still do that what's the next thing what are we doing next like right after this what am I doing next right um (laughs) so I don't even know where I was going with that, but I was always that type of kid, so I always wanted some sort of relief. Like, it was a constant... My mind was so loud, but I always... it was I wanted what was next, what's next, what's next, what's next, and, you know, alcohol kind of quieted my mind for a little bit. Not that I remember exactly how it was or how what it was like, you know? Um... And it wasn't like this white light experience of, oh, my God, this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. But I just remember being outside of myself, the, the thing that I never wanted to be. you know. Right. And I finally accomplished that through this buzz, I guess it was. But I was drunk. And then I had, right after the party, I had a blue water ice. And I just remember shitting and puking for the, for the next week. And then my friend told on me. And because he, same thing happened to him. So we were both hungover for a week. So it was my first hangover and it sucked. But that's pretty much what happened. But I just remember that. I remember feeling like, oh, okay, I'm not, you're not Nick. Anything that I wanted to be, I wanted to be anything besides Nikki. I didn't want to be Nikki. No. That was a dangerous, dangerous 
place to be, which was, you know, who I was. And so then you, so, and you were drinking and then you got introduced to, to pills. Yeah. So in high school, I got introduced to pills. I was working at Fluke's Irish Pub and this, I was a bus boy and the server asked, do, do you want a perk? And I'm like, well, what's that? And she explained it and I was like, I absolutely want that. So I remember taking it. It was like. I think it was like a perk five, which is like hysterical to me now. Um, but I remember taking it and I was like a little nauseous. I just felt really good. I had a little pep in my step. I was like bustling tables extra well, you know? So, um, but that I think was the feeling that I was like, this is it. That's the Mecca. This is. Yeah. This is heaven on earth. Yeah. Like this is what I want. Like yeah. if I could live like this for the rest of my life, which was great. And I was always intrigued by that culture like of anything anything that was shady like anything that fell off the truck street loans money loans like I love all of that I love being in the mix it's chaos it's, it's confusion and I love it like I love anything like that and that to me working in a bar and seeing things you know in high school while working in a bar intrigued me like that was that's exactly what I wanted to do like the guy drinking in the middle of the afternoon like there's nothing wrong with that the guy that was there every single day, like the regulars. Like, I aspire to be a regular at a bar. Like, cheers, where everybody knows your name. You <laughs> yeah, know I mean? exactly. And so that's where it was, because we all grow up looking. I remember when I was younger, and my parents yeah. would be having the parties, and everybody looks glamorous when they have a cocktail, right? They all, It's a glamorous Yeah, look. and happy. Everyone's smiling until that certain point of the night where everyone fist fights. But <laughs> you don't remember the fist fight. You, rem- you know, for momentarily the next day, oh, my God, did you see what happened? But then my mind goes to, oh, my God, they were having so much fun. Like, I never, I glamorize all of that. I, it's it's very Hollywood to me. It's very, like, drinking and using drugs is so fucking glamorous in my mind. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah, you're allowed to all curse. Right, yeah. So in my mind, it's so... Oh, stop doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in my mind, it's so glamorous. I love it. I think it's, like, like models back in, like, the 80s, like, Evangelista and all, like, doing coke and a fart. Like, that's... Sexy. That is what I think drug use is <laughs> in my mind. Oh, you do drugs. You're great. You must be a housewife. Like, it's just. It's it. Yeah. So you it. started. So then you. And now I want to throw in here that you did know about Alcoholics Anonymous because you have two parents that got sober when you were four yes. years old. Yes. So I grew up in Alcoholics Anonymous pretty much. So I knew exactly what it was. I knew like on our way to a meeting, like my mom would like. It's pretty much child abuse, you know what I mean? Like, on the way there, you know, we would have to sit on this lawn and, it, like, she would put a blanket over all the trash and then we would have these dollar hoagies or subs, whatever right. it's called. Um, they were, like, these dollar sandwiches. The cheese would be melting and, like, we would be sweating and it was, like, a thousand degrees and we would have to stay on this lawn. We weren't allowed to move and it wasn't in the best area either, but we were there, right? But we knew... So on the way there, my mom's like punching us in the head, but on the way out, she was smiling and ah, how are you? How was it out of here? We're come on, we're gonna go get ice, like whatever, like we. But so that's when I knew I was like, what is in that building? Like there is something in there. Um, it was a home group of mine when I first started getting sober, but yeah, which is which is funny. I would always look 
to, now there's like a fence in front of it, but I was always look at that lawn and remember when I was a kid. Oh my um, gosh. So then yeah. you, so you went from using the Percocets and you, then you graduated to when you were in, cause we were talking about earlier, we had a little snafu earlier. So we're on our second run here, but, um, you talked about how you went to high school and you, yeah. you know, you didn't aspire to be like summa cum laude no, no, no. and no, no, you no. were going to go no. to Penn no. or you were going to like have this life that you were going to have education. Absolutely not. No, no, no. I thought it was stupid. I'm like, well, I'm not wasting any money as if I was like money conscious or something. <laughs> um, I... No, I didn't aspire to be anything. I aspired to be the regular at the bar. Like, that was glamorous. That was it. That was it. So I would always, anytime I would get my um, grades, typically, but the first grade was always a failing grade. But I did. I just wanted, like, C's. I know now, like, C's get degrees. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's exactly. all I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's all I wanted. I didn't want, you know, A's or uh, to be in the honor roll. Like, I didn't want that. Like, we colored I was in the lowest track. Like, we colored in high school. You know what I mean? Like, you pay all this money, and I don't know what I could So pay. they didn't even say, oh, my gosh, we're going to try to teach you how to no, read. No, 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 and no. We're, we're not sure learning anything. <laughs> no, we're coloring. Whip out your crayons. You know, yeah, and then we would, like, color. Like, we would, it was just, I was with all the bad kids. Like, the kids who aspired really to be. I'm sure some of the kids really, like, wanted to learn, but I was the one in the room. You were not going to learn if I was in the room. Right, because you were like this just having scary. so much fun. I you wanted the dunce cap. Like, like I you wasn't loved the, the yeah, like I wasn't the gay kid who got like picked on or anything like that. Like I fucking loved it. Like it was social hour to me. And and you would come out at that point. You were gay at that. No, point. no, no, no. Okay, no. But okay. I was like just the same way. Like I always you had say, a girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always try to say I fuck the gay out of me. <laughs> I was trying to fuck the gay out of me, and I, it didn't work. Obviously, it was bad. <laughs> but I always knew I was gay. You did. You knew you were gay from from when you were little. Well, yeah, I had two secrets. So one of them was gay, which the other one we'll get into. But yeah. Um, yeah. So then, so now you so you graduate. They let, they let you slip by, and yeah. you decide to um, you go out to. So you decide I'm going to get into hair. I, I'm going to get into hair. So I went to. Um, oh my god, what is this school called? But, uh, so the first school I went to was Empire Beauty School on Woodhaven Road. Yes. Yeah, okay, in yeah. the shopping center, right yeah. next to. Knight's Tavern. They call it Fights Tavern. It's closed down now because everyone used to fight. Anyway, um, so it was right there. So I went there for a couple months and then I flew out to California um, and went to Vidal Sassoon. That's kind of huge though. At 17 years old to big be deal. like, that's from a, a neighborhood huge, kid uh, yeah, to do that. Yeah. That was like that a was big, huge, huge deal from oh, yeah. someone who was hanging out in the yeah. last tier in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to go to Vidal Sassoon yeah. and I'm going to go out to California, which is th- yeah. you know thousands of miles away on the other coast. Oh, and yeah. I'm going to go by myself mm-hmm. and do this. And you did it. Yeah. So it's like, I always say this too. Any job that I had, if the boss said you did great. I interpret that as like you're gonna own this company one day, <laughs> right? Like here, yeah. you're gonna own the company. You're getting promoted. Like this is a whole thing, right? So then you throw me into that, which it's I'm Sassoon trained. You right. know what I mean? No one knows in Philadelphia what Vidal Sassoon is or the training, right? <laughs> Most hairstylists don't even know what that is, right? But we, you know, because that's like I'm the creme all, de la creme. Oh yeah. And oh, you yeah. go out there, and now yeah, are yeah. you using drugs while you're in California? Yes. So I was using. I was. Um, so before California, it was just cocaine and um, like perk thirties, you know. Um, and then in California, you have to get the Suboxone because that's the miracle drug. 
um, that was sold to me as such was the miracle drug. So I was on Suboxone for a little bit, still doing coke and still drinking. Thank God. Because <laughs> I'm not, you know, easy right. there. You know, right. I just don't want to detox. That's all, pretty right. much. Um, and I had enough that was supposed to last me the whole time. It lasted me 30 days. <laughs> it only lasted me 30 days. Like, I had enough for and so you, months. so you, what did you pick up while you were out there besides that? So then oh, I drank, I smoked pot, I did uh, tons of coke. I remember my dad came out and met me for Thanksgiving. He was like cooking on stuff, like, you know, really trying to bond with me. And I was out all night. I was doing coke all night. Oh. And he came all this way to like see California and for me to like do stuff. It's like, I think it's my only regret with my dad. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's still alive and all. Right. But it's like, you ever like, I always look back and I'm like, that is the lowest mental point in my life where my dad came out there and met me and wanted to have Thanksgiving and cooked a turkey and did all these really nice things and, you know, stayed there. And I refu- I, I didn't even consider it until I got sober. I was like, you know, when it hits you, when you get sober, right. you just it's like, a, oh, a, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah. There's just like one right. of a thousand. Uh, there's a way worse. But I mean, but that's that was just one that really that re- sticks out to me. It yeah. resonates with you yeah. to this day. So you're out there and you graduate. So you graduate from Vidal yeah. Sassoon. Yeah, and, now I'm a big deal. And now you're a big deal. <laughs> and you come back to Philadelphia and you get a job at a big salon. Yeah. <laughs> so I get a job at the salon and you, you know, I walked in there. Like there should have been rose petals thrown at my feet. You know what I mean? I was not good at hair. Like, it just wasn't, I just wasn't, I, I wasn't good. I wasn't good. But you couldn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter how much training you have. If you don't apply it, yeah. it, it doesn't work. You know, so I was, like, looking around, like, oh, I don't have, I don't have clients all day. You know, for months at a time. <laughs> Everybody else has have all these yeah. clients and you're just this doing m- nothing. It must be the salon. It's not yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. So then, um, so then a friend of yours introduced you to a friend of mine, uh, David introduced me to uh, makeup. He said, Well, why don't you want to do makeup? I was like, Listen, I'm gay, but I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But he said, You can, he's like, We get to travel all over and like go to different stores and live in hotels. And like to me, I was like, Oh my God, sold. And I just had the gift of gab. I didn't know how to do makeup, um, but I knew how to sell it. You know, you like it, I love it. That's right, the, always right. how I So you're I went. a great salesman. I, oh, yeah. Gated up, up to a thousand. <laughs> white, white old women love gay men. See, and yeah. so in the makeup, and did you love makeup yourself as well? No. Or not really? You never no, liked it? No, I had no clue what it was. Okay. It, looked, it, it was like chalk to me. But I just saw like colors, and I just saw like different shapes, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. You can really transform somebody's face. While doing makeup, it's just makeup. And then if you mess up, it's not so permanent as like hair color. Right. You can just wipe it off. Right? <laughs> but you must have got good enough because you started to do work with celebrities. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I you were really movies. Yeah. and you were and did you love that part? Loved it. Yeah, yeah. But it took a lot. Um, somebody else took me under their wing as well. But like <laughs> in that industry, it's so hard to really gain friendships because it's such a cutthroat industry. Right. Um, but David and I have always, always, always been best friends. He's like, he's like my brother, really. You know what I mean? Um, but we always were so happy if one person got a promotion. Or David always got the promotions. David was like, always got the promotions. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's the best. Yeah, he's like, he's no, he knows that industry in and out. Me, I'm like, where's the craft services? I'm starving. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
I'm hungry. You know what I mean? But that took a while to do, to, you know, to get to that point. But um, now during this time, are you also now? What are you using now? Are you using? I'm using every uppers, downers, and candy corn. Like I'm just using everything, anything that'll get it outside of myself. Like I just wanted to remain high and drunk all the time. You know, um, I couldn't afford anything though. You know, I couldn't afford. Right. I couldn't afford my habits. A very expensive habit to have if it you is, think you're yes. a big deal. <laughs> With no, with no, no money. money. <laughs> right. You know, and then I would live at my mom's house. I would live at my mom's house. I would pee on her couch. I was the infamous bed pisser, too. Oh. Oh, yeah. Infamous oh. bed pisser. So, um. And did you ever a, realize you wanted, did you ever realize you wanted to get help in like, no. oh, that AA, that place you were sitting in the grass and there, there your mom was in that magic place? Yeah. Did you ever? No. Think, no. That no. never, that never came back to me. That was a death sentence to me. AA was like a death sentence to me. Right. I didn't like it. It was it was it ruined my family. Like you know how our um, yes. how we think, and I that's just what I that's exactly what I like thought you, about you, it. you like they, that's what you attributed to the demise of your parents and everything else was like the yeah. fact that they gone and yeah. got sober. Probably wasn't. Yeah, still but, don't know what happened. But, still I mean, don't know what happened. Yeah, but whatever it, it was, but you thought it was AA mm-hmm. when you were a kid because you don't know, right? We don't we'll attribute anything on the outside to mm-hmm. like say that's what it's blamed for. It's oh, yeah. AA. So I'm not going there. Never. But you finally went there. When did you go there first? When I was 17. When you were 17. Yeah. So I went there when I was 17. Um and. I, like, shared a couple times. Like, I had no clue. Like, I remember going to these meetings and you share, blah, blah, blah. But I, I was so new. Like, I thought I knew. I did, had no clue. And the people were, it was in Jersey. It was a 42 club hall. And the people there were so nice to me because they knew I was so young. Most of them were like, this kid ain't fucking <laughs> fancy. We're but, putting odds on him and it's yeah, not going. I am not bad. If I was a betting man, you know what I mean? <laughs> um... But yeah, I it, uh, um, I didn't. But they were just so nice to me and so welcoming and so warm. And I'm like, you know, I tried other fellowships. It just wasn't my thing. It was too much touching. Right. You know, not to knock. It all works. Um, but I just resonated with AA more. And I didn't use that excuse like, well, I'm not really a drinker. I'm a drug addict. Oh, now I'm all confused right. on how to like. I didn't do that. You know what I mean? But again, it wasn't. It was still a death sentence to me. Nobody I knew was there. Like, I had no foundation or I, I knew no one besides my parents. And, and you're yeah. like, who wants to hang out with your parents at 17? Right, no. right, right. I'm too cool. So, so then, you didn't even stay sober, really? No, not at all. So I think I stayed sober like two weeks, you know? <laughs> and you're like, that's for the birds. Right, right, right. Where's the party? Right, exactly. So um, running in the woods and getting chased by cops and drinking in the woods. Like, that's what we did. Like, it was, like, fun, you know, and that's just what I did. But, um, you know, after after high school, and that, and that was in high school. Like, that's just what I like to do. But, you know, when I really wanted to get sober, um, where it was a point where it was like, what am I doing with my life? And, of course, there were so many, you know, I was the club kid and did all that. And, again, that was glamorous. Knowing all the, like... I don't want to know everybody at the bar. Like, I want to know the bartender, the bouncer, and the owner. Right. And that's exactly what I did. You know what I mean? Like, anything. Like, I didn't line up, right, all these bad past experiences that turned horrible. Like, I didn't learn that, like, I can grow from that. Do you know what I mean? Like, just those are the three most important people in the room was 
the bartender, the bouncer, and the owner. Right. That's you all know, that matters. That's all you needed. That's, that you was know, it. If you wanted somebody kicked out of the club, you got to get out. He's got to yeah. go. He's got to go. He harassed me or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> so when you first got so when you first, so you went at seventeen and then we went mm. back at twenty eight. Yeah. Okay. No, no, it wasn't twenty eight. I think it was twenty four. So twenty four you went. 24. Okay, twenty four yeah, yeah. you went back. Four, twenty six. Oh my god. Um. So. I always so when I was ten years old, I was raped by a priest, and. I was, that I was, is huge. Okay, by yeah. the way, that is huge. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. a ten year old little boy, and you've been yeah. ra- and you were raped by a priest. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's okay. happened to you. It's all right. Yeah, it's, I can talk about it now. I'm you right. can talk about it now. I'm good. Yeah, I went through a lot. You're free. Very free. Very yeah, free. Very 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 free. So even when, forgiveness. Um, so you were ten years old, and now at this point, now when you're drinking during all these times, had you told your mom at this point? No, I never told anybody. No. So I had to. So I had a dream. He was doing it to my nephew. And it was so vivid. It was like, you know, I was there. And um, I woke up from the dream and I immediately texted my father because I always had um, night terrors and I couldn't explain them. Like I was like, oh, that was just gross. You know what I mean? And, you know, I need to drink more or whatever. And drugs and drink, they like stop doing their job. It's a sure thing. Like I know I'm going to get high after it, but my mind's not going to shut off anymore. My mind's going to continue to be very, very, very loud. As it's always been. And um, so I just remember texting. I couldn't I couldn't say it out loud, but I definitely, um, you know, started that. In return, my dad told my mother. My mother told my grandfather, who is a who was a detective in sex crimes for many years. Um, I was interviewed. Uh, and the first time I'm speaking about it in detail was with my grandfather, who I really didn't have that much of a relationship with. So. I made my mom leave the house because I didn't want her to hear anything. I had no clue what a trial was. I've never been in a courtroom because I've never been in trouble right. with the law or anything like that. I think court, a traffic ticket was like, that was court. You right, know? you saw it on TV. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. not it, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it yes, was like, okay, yes. this is what's on TV and it does, this isn't really even going to. Exactly. But this, whatever you guys are talking about now has yeah. become, this, all this thing that happened to me is becoming real. Right. It's becoming, and it's scary. Right. And I was still using, so when I went to the district attorney's office in Philadelphia, I had to do all this stuff and, you know, it became very, it became very real and I had no clue what I was in for. Originally, I didn't want to do anything. I was like, you know. I played the blame game. Like this is right. why I, this is why I use and blah blah blah. Feel bad for me, um, victim, victim, victim. So I knew I had a trial coming up, so it was a little bit more of a motivation to get sober, right? Right, right. So I had my I had a pre-trial come up, and I left rehab and d- did the pre-trial, and weird motions were set in place, and that's a whole other thing I can go into, but. Um, Motions were set in place. I had a trial date. I stayed sober through the trial date. Um, then I relapsed. I relapsed um, briefly for about maybe like six months, eight months. So I relapsed right before my very first trial. I was in. I went back to rehab um, and then got out. Did you ask your mom to take you to rehab, or do you went and just put yourself in? The or re- first time I asked her to take me. The second time she said, "No, you're gonna throw yourself down on the ground and cause a scene and beg for a bed." Right. Oh my gosh. 
I was fully prepared to go in there <laughs> and call Cena. I was going to put on an Oscar-worthy performance to get this bed because I knew I had to get sober. So, um, fully prepared to go into bed. Are we, oh, my God, we're going to stay on the time. No, we're going to keep going. I don't right. care. Um, fully prepared to throw myself down on the ground, have a whole thing. It was like a weird thing. Anyway, so I said, I need a bed. And the lady at the front desk was like, okay, just have a seat. I'm like, do you have a bed? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> 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 so disappointed because I was going to cause go. a scene. Yeah, I was going to cause a scene and carry on. So then um, I go in there and I didn't want to be. I didn't. I left my suggestions to myself, you know, because when we go into a rehab, we get sober for two days, and then we're like, well, wait, what things aren't that? right here. Yeah, you know, like let me just explain to everybody how to run a rehab. And then we can continue. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just shut up this time. I did what I had to do. Um, and I wanted to go to a recovery house. So I decided to go to an all-male recovery house. I was the f- first gay guy most of these people know. <laughs> most of them never met a gay guy before. Oh my and I'm a lot. So I don't really care. So because I was never bullied in high school or anything like that, like, I don't make it a thing. Like, it's just not a thing. Yeah, right. whatever. What You're are you gay, do? whatever, right. Yeah, you have to be Helen Keller to know I'm not. Right. You know what I mean? Straight. You know what I mean? So I end up, um, I remember when I, when I went there, I heard, I heard this guy say, um, you know, I refuse to live with a faggot. Well, now I'm the godfather of his son. So, right. Oh my so gosh. that's how the end of, end of the story goes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So oh I'm my. his son's godfather now. But anyway, so I went in there and I'm like, I know I'm going to be friends with you. You know what I mean? Like, you hate me. Oh, gosh. You're going to really love me by the end of this. So I went in there and I had no clue. Like, I had to Google how to make a bed. I had to Google how to do my own laundry. There were chores. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you don't have people to do that for you. As if I had some silver spoon in my mouth, which is not a problem. But, you know, I didn't grow up like that. Like, people, my mom just did everything for me. You know, I was a loser, you know? (laughs) Again, no aspirations. Like, I didn't want to go to Penn or be elite or anything like that. Like, education was boring. Like, I like side money. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I like. I like a side hustle that just so happens to, you know, amount to nothing, pretty much. So, um... You know, I uh, I left there. I went to, you know, I went to, lived in this recovery house. And I just followed what those guys in the house were doing. And I'm like, all right, this is it. Like, I think I can do this. Um, again, my trial date was fast approaching. And my mom saw this kid on the news uh, overdosed and died t- a day before his pretrial. My mom didn't know what to do with me because she never heard of somebody. My mom was a devout Catholic, too. So, um my mom said... So this was, like, a huge thing to the whole family. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is bad. I mean, this is bad. I mean, like, your whole family, I mean, in the... I didn't know that the the weight of it. I had no clue what the weight of this would be. Like, I didn't. Like, I was like, this is what happened to me. Like, I'm just telling you the truth. Why is everybody saying I'm lying? Not my family. My family are... We're thick as thieves. Right. So, like... You but know, the but Catholic Church is such a huge thing that it's yeah, unbelievable. You're up, yeah, you're going up against God. Is right. who you're going up against. He's God's gateway, right? Well, what they believe it is, which yes. is not true, right? Right. right. We right. all know that right. now. But but during that time and growing up and with having a mom that had never had anything mm-hmm. happen and she believed everything that they had said her whole yes. entire life and yeah. now that thing that your mom had trusted like nobody's yeah. business had t- mm-hmm. taken advantage of her baby. Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, he took my childhood. Yeah. He took everything away from me. Took you know everything I mean? away from he you. He made me, he made me like a, a shell of a human being, and that's what I was. You know, I didn't feel bad. I didn't have sympathy for people. I was like, oh, well, what's the big deal? It was a very victim mentality. You know, it was very, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim, you know, and I, and I just rode that out. Because but until you, t- but, but until you brought it out, until the open, until you I had it. Yeah. Out, so, um, well, I'm going to tell you my purpose right okay. now. So, you know how they tell you when you first come around in Alcoholics Anonymous, like, what's your purpose? You have to find right. a purpose. Right. Well, I didn't know what that was. Again, my purpose was to sit at the bar at Mixon on Burger in Clearfield, do coke, <laughs> and, you know, have a good time. Like, that was my purpose. Right. Uh, so, back to when, what I was talking about before. So, my mom reached out to this family whose son has overdosed and died two days before his pretrial. And it was the last opportunity to get that priest. Um, so my mom reached out and the family said, we want to meet him. We want to meet with your son if it's okay. So I remember I was on the phone with my mom and she's, you know, she said, do you want to meet with this family? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, again, I think I was on step three. Right. Right. Um, mind you, I still don't have a conception of a higher power or God. Didn't like it. You know yeah. what I mean? Didn't like Especially, it. Especially, uh, no, you can't like God yeah, after yeah. what the priest who's just been teaching you, God, right. has right. been taking advantage of you since you were 10 years old. Right. Okay. So yeah. um, I went and I met with this family. We met at a Panera Bread. Um, and I sat across the table from the dad and the mom. And they did this cry. It was like a whale cry. Like a, that hard cry where like, what? Because it was so fresh. And it was just like you just felt them. And... <laughs> I've never had sympathy for another human being before. And I finally, sympathy started to come back, you know, because yeah. your feelings started to come back. So it was like, so she said, um, if you get nervous on the stand, I'm going to give you Sean's mask cards. So I need, if you get nervous on the stand, just put Sean in your pocket. And I don't know what came upon me or what it was, but I said, I'm not going to go away. I'm going to be the voice for your son. I said, and I'll make sure Sean comes with me so on my first trial so my first trial day um my aunt my aunt was there my cousin was there you know my immediate family was there as well and I didn't know again the media coverage the Facebook pages about me the media about me you know the junkie faggot liar and blah 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 like all these things and all these names and I'm like the names don't bother me because it's not very original you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) come up with something better you know what I mean like come up with something that I don't know you know (laughs) (laughs) so the names are a thing it was just that why don't you believe me kind of like why don't you believe me what I didn't do anything to you like I'm not the one on trial here he is um, I went in a black dot SUV from the district attorney's office to the courthouse. I went up through the back where the prisoners typically go. Um, so the media and the, and the people with T-shirts, uh, I wouldn't see them either. Right. Because um, they wore T-shirts to the courthouse, which said Friends of Father Andy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing it was bad. So, um, you know, I didn't know the mag. I still didn't know the magnitude of it. The second I stepped from the judge's quarters onto the courtroom and saw him in the courtroom, that's when I was like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. You have no clue the depth and the weight of what you were about to do. Like, and the journey, I look back hindsight 2020, like the journey that was is now the biggest blessing in my life. 
Like it really, really, really was. You know, I testified. He was right there the whole time. Um, you know, I testified. Uh, I got off the stand. Everyone was crying. My mom could barely stand up. Um, you know, I'm sure my dad wanted to slit his throat open. Uh, but the Macamills were there, that that family. The Aww. mom and the dad were there. And they were there every day of my trial, of, of the court proceedings. And, you know, I was in this little side room. It was a shoebox of a room, but it was like a safe, like a little bit of a safe house. And they came back, and I pulled out Sean's mask cards. And oh I said, I told God. you Sean... <laughs> I said, I told you Sean was going to be with me today. So I said, Sean was there. He helped me. And, um, you know, they started crying. They were just like, thank you, thank you. So, I, like, it just lit a fire under my ass to have a purpose. And, you know, that made me feel. So I, because I didn't feel before. Like, it wasn't, like, I don't know if I was, a, I felt like a sociopath. Like, I was just like, oh, you died. Oh, it sucks. You know what I mean? But right. something, I felt something for them. You know, and um, that trial didn't end up the way I wanted it to. It was 11 for guilty, one for undecided. So in America, you need 12 people to consecutively say together yeah. um, that he's guilty. So it was a hung jury and a mistrial. Um, so my district attorney, assistant district attorney, Kristen, um, she asked, she said, um, do you want to do this again? And I just put my head down and... I picked my head back up and I said, um, I'm not done. So we were going to do another trial. Right. Good for you. So, yeah. So I did it right before that trial. I relapsed. I was at fashion week and, um, I, re- yeah, I was at fashion week. I relapsed I, because I heard bad news. I heard news that he was not going to take a plea deal. We were going to do another trial, and it's always the before and the afters that we're afraid of. So right. it was the before. Like, I had an expectation that he was just going to take the plea deal. Right. You know, because I'm like, well, you did it. What's the, Like, why are you doing this? Right. You know? Like, why are you torturing all right. of us, including like you, yourself? Right. Like, you did this. Right. You know you did this. Right. So why are you trying so, to go? Uh, right. So it was just such a sure thing to me. But, uh, you know, I didn't take the plea deal. So... Um, I was two days sober. I went back to that recovery house on the top bunk with a spring up my ass. <laughs> very humble. Uh, very, very humbling. Um, you know, because I was used to like the guts, the glam of Fashion Week and blah, blah, blah. You know what and I mean? Now All you're the free back stuff. In a dump. And, right, right, right. and no more Ritz girls right. for me. I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God. So, no more room service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. No more fancy stuff. <laughs> So, you know, top bunk, spring up my ass, uh, two days sober, I had to go take the stand again. And the second trial was worse than the first. I think it was 10 times worse than the first. I was on the stand for six and a half hours. Oh, my God. Um, You know, his attorney, you could tell, was taking it personally, which attorneys don't do. When, When you get the, when you're thrown into a situation like that and it's very a lot of media coverage and a lot of stuff like that like you get very hip to the game yeah. you know what I mean like oh yeah. this is a game of chess Yeah. who can make this argument the best right. is all it is exactly so um, you know I didn't have the urge to use or drink like even after I got that bad news fr- after the first trial that hung jury because so much good has came out of it but then there's that downtime where everyone goes away 
Yeah. You know, it's it's like a death. Like, everyone's around you, everyone's around you, everyone's around you. But eventually, everyone that's around you is going to go away. Yeah. So you're going to be stuck with yourself. Like, they're not going to be bringing over the carnations and the flowers and, the, you know, the food trays. Like, they're not going to do that anymore. You know, this is, this is very short-lived. Like, you're going to have to sit with yourself eventually. You know, and I think that's really why. You know, I picked up, obviously, I wasn't working my program and, you know, going to meetings and working my steps thoroughly. And, you know, I got very relaxed. I can stay around AA, but getting in it yeah. is very hard for me to consistently do. You know, so, so that second trial was worse than the first. And um, that ended in another hung jury. Yeah. Oh my God. So that ended in another hung jury. That February twenty first, twenty second. February twenty second was the second trial. I got my sobriety date is February twentieth, two thousand eighteen. Oh my gosh. Two thousand eighteen. No, it's two thousand fifteen. Why don't I know my sobriety date? It's I'll okay. have I'll be sober in five years in February. February. Yeah, February twentieth, two thousand fifteen. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. It's weird. Um so, uh, I, again, I was like, I'm going to get him. I am going to get, like, I just did. Like, I had such a point to prove. I think the more media it got, negative and negativity that my name got, that was attached to it, the more I was so determined to prove a point, you know, and the more purpose I had, I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this happened, and I'm going to show you that this happened, right? So then I'm like, all right, I'm still not done, right? <laughs> so he said, I'm going to go after the institution. Oh, my gosh, yeah. the Catholic Church. So I'm going to go after the largest institution in the world, and I'm going to do it by myself. Meanwhile, I am the lone accuser, oh right? Nobody God. else has ever come forward about this, about him. Oh, okay. I know there's other people. I've been messaged plenty of times. But that's not up to me to tell. Because I would be mortified if I told somebody that and they went and told my dad. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, so I'm going to go out to the Catholic Church and let's add him to it. Because I know in a civil matter that everything comes out. And you have to ask everything. And you have to answer everything. You can't. You can't do you the can't. bob and weave. No, 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 no. You are <laughs> no in hiding. it. You are going to ask. You're gonna, and you're going to answer on camera, which I wanted. Yeah. I want. I was like, I'm going to get him. And I'm going to get them, too, because I know they knew. Because he was moved around a lot. Ooh, sorry. He was moved around a lot. And, you know, so I was like, let's go after all of them. So um, that took four years. And uh, I think it was, was it four years? It was six years in total that I went through all of that. Four years of, no, three years of civil, and I won. You won? I won. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) So I won, and um, I got all the answers I need. He finally admitted it. Everything I said, which I was taken to task in criminal court, was in fact the truth. Um, And he said that on camera. Um, I got to sit there and look every, I finally got to speak, you know, so I looked, um, all of, I've been assessed by, you know, doctors from Harvard, mental doctors, whatever (laughs) they're called. Like I've been flown places, assessed a thousand times because they don't take it lightly. Like you're not just, you're going to get your answers, but you really have to really, really work for them. So they're not just going to give them away. 
So, um, you know, I finally got to say an impact statement and everything I said in my impact statement came from me. And, you know, I looked every single one of them right in the eye and I did it with them. I was a man of honor, dignity and grace. And I looked them in the eye and, you know, I did cry a lot and I'm not really a crier. I don't cry much. You know what I mean? um, but I did cry a lot. But I told the truth and I got the truth and there was no. It's lie? hard. <laughs> it is hard to remember a lie. It's so easy to remember the truth. And my story, and I hate when people say, you know, tell your truth. No, 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 no. It's not my, my truth. truth. It's right. the, the truth. truth. Right. You know, so I hate that. Live your truth. Like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's the only truth Don't I know. Don't tell me to live my truth. It's the truth. <laughs> yeah. So it's so easy. And, you know, the amount it has affected my family in such an awful way, but I think as long as I'm okay, they're okay, and I really am okay. I'm okay, I'm free from that, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not bonded by that, I'm not, it is, I'm You're just not bitter. No, I'm not bitter. And just recently, like a couple months ago, um, I was working, who was I working with? I don't know, I think I was just sitting, sitting and having a conversation with one of my friends, and I, and it just came up, and we were talking about it because it's such a big part of my. It is my sobriety. Like my sobriety wasn't easy. My like my four step was done in the courtroom. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. oh my god, I did that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> my life was going over with a fine tooth comb, and I had to be okay with it. Like I had to be open. I didn't have any secrets anymore. The very thing that kept me sick, I don't have that anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even have the opportunity to keep a secret, which was good for me. Like that works for me. You know, and it because it wasn't forced out of me, I probably would have never done that, you know, and, and told the truth and, and been okay with not, you know, been okay with just keeping this a secret all my life and just probably ended up dying, you know? So anyway, so I won and the very first thing that I wanted to do was open a women's recovery house. A women's recovery a house. Women's recovery and, house. Uh, isn't and, that amazing? <laughs> yeah. So, can I tell you? Um, and I'm just going to throw this in as a side note because I, I was when I was driving over to where we are right here in Florida, and I was driving down the road, and I was driving down A1A. No, I was driving down Route One, which is you know it's we can take all the way straight from home down yeah. here. And I'm driving here, and up walks this woman who's young, and she's asking for money, you know, and she's probably one of us. Yeah. You know, she's homeless, and she looked like she could be my daughter. She could be anybody I know's daughter, and she was, like, want, like asking for money and saying, I'm yeah. homeless. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then thinking I'm coming. To, like, your, your whole purpose today is to help women yeah. that are battling this disease and helping yeah. them get one day more sober. Yeah. That's it. Oh, God, you're just a rock <laughs> star. It. He's a rock star. I'm with a rock star. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. What is the name of your halfway house? Rise Up Recovery. Rise Woo! Up Recovery. Oh, and where God. is it? So it is in um, Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. And the reason why I named it Rise Up Recovery is my Angelo. I used to listen to her every time I went to court. I used to listen to Still I Rise every yeah. time I went to court. And um, she, I don't know, like some people meditate or some people pray. I just listen to her. Still I rise and uh. that's it. Like we just, you know, everything about it just relates to me. So I named it Rise Up Recovery and um, I purchased an existing male recovery house that was kind of going to shit. So I gutted the entire thing and I remodeled it. And cause I think women coming out of treatment should have 
a place to call home where they're proud of and they can bring their kids over and their families over and not be like, you know, wait outside. I'll, I'll run out real quick. Like my doors are open and, you know, I want women who, you know, women have paid my bills. Women have given me opportunity. Women showed me kindness and compassion a woman showed me what AA was, which was my mom. You know, wow. like she introduced me to what AA is and she told me, she said, listen, everything you touch turns to gold and then you get high, you know? And that's what I did. And she's like, this is a dream you couldn't even have dreamt. You know, it's beyond that. Like, you know, this, you create, you can create something from nothing, you know? And that's what I wanted. And that's why I, gravitated more towards women and and I noticed around my area in Philadelphia there aren't many women's houses with substance and something that you know that somebody cares you know somebody you know my house is not reflective of you know any anonymous program I'm a lifestyle house you know I'm going to help you get your kids back I'm going to help you get your family back I'm going to help you get a job I'm going to help you what is like you know get an ID you know, like you get an ID top to bottom from when you come there. Mm. There's there's been six women who have celebrated a year. I've been open since September of 2018. Oh, you know? my gosh. Oh so my people gosh. are staying sober there. You know what I mean? A little kindness, a little compassion goes a really long way. I enforce the I enforce the rules and pay the bills. That's all I do there. The magic that happens in that house is amongst other women who are non-threatening and non-judgmental towards each other. And that is my house. You can talk about how much money you paid for sex. You can talk about how much money, you know, you paid, excuse me, for a blowjob. You know what I mean? And not be judged for it. It's okay. We've all done it. We've all done it. Don't be shy about it here. You can talk about whatever you want here. You know, and be open and honest. And because honesty and no secrets kept me sober. Once I realized those two things, honesty and no more secrets, it blew the door open, you know? And then I started to feel like a hypocrite because I was telling these girls they had to go back to school and get a career, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't satisfied with mine. Um, So I decided to take the long road to law school. So I'm currently in school right now. (laughs) The guy who only wanted to inspire to be a cheer, Uh man. And now look at him, he's in law school. Tell me what happened when you bought that hamster. Um, you bought that recovery house. What? Where it was located. You said Ben Salem, yeah. but exactly where was it across the street from? So my house is huh. directly across the street from Catholic Social Services from children. Oh, my gosh. See, there's God working in your life. Yeah. And so now you're in law school. Yeah. and Not yet. I've got a while to go. Yeah. Okay. I am on the dean phone. Oh my gosh, he's on the got, team. Got straight A's. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just finished gosh. my last semester two days ago. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you're down in Florida celebrating. Yeah, pretty yeah. Yeah. Or I just had to get out of the weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if someone's listening, do you take people from all over the world? Like if I have somebody yeah. that's listening who's in California or anywhere, they can yeah. reach out to you. I'm gonna put a link. Do you have a website or anything? Yeah, riseuprecoveryllc.com. Okay. All right, so I'll have a link to that yeah. on here. And yeah. if people need, and if someone out there is listening and has been or knows someone yeah. that has been hurt by clergy, yeah, they can reach out to you as well. Absolutely, reach out to me. And you know, um, don't listen to those Facebook ads where they say you can get money. You know, like don't listen to that. Um, 
I do have, I can refer you to amazing legal representation and it isn't all about money. It's about, it's about the truth and everybody needs freedom, right? Yeah. And everybody needs to be free. And I'm 100% set free. And I forgive that man. I forgive him one whole with my whole heart. And soul. I forgive him. And, you know, um, because I, that holds me back. Like I have to learn to forgive. It's definitely a muscle that has to be worked. You know, today I feel this way. Tomorrow I might feel differently. You know, but I have to remind myself if I didn't go through all of that, it wouldn't have been a trickling down effect anymore. I have a home for women. You know, that's my purpose. I found my purpose through that. I can help other people and relate to other people and other women. And, you know, other women come into my house and they're comfortable. You know, somebody who's been running the streets for months and has been gang raped or, you know, raped so many times, like, you know, in order to open that up and we sit on my couch and I, we just have a conversation of how we feel and, you know, what sets us off because sights, sounds and smells bother people like us who that, who, who that has, have happened to, yeah. you know, like I wouldn't make it okay to talk about. I talk about it nonchalantly because people are so scared to talk about it. You know, like I want to make it okay to talk about it. I am in the very early processes um, of writing a book about it and, you know, my experience of court and, you know, my life and stuff like that. But um, I want to make it okay to talk about. It's not shameful. There's nothing to be ashamed about. You didn't do anything. You did not do anything. You know, and I also hate when, um, you know, what did I do? What was I wearing? What was I, you know, I was drunk, which put me in the position to be raped. It's not, no, no, no. No, you didn't. It's not okay. Like, it's not okay. I actually found this thing online, um, my house and the girls, because I do take those girls who have been, you know, have that kind of trauma, and I love it. You know, they open up to me. They're hard nut to crack just like myself, <laughs> but they, I crack them. You know, I do. Um, you know, it is because once they open up, it's just like a waterfall. You see their body language change and their whole vibe changes and they walk a little differently. And I want to make it okay. Like, I want to make it okay to talk about like because it is okay to talk about. It's not shameful. It's not embarrassing. You're not going to be, you know, the shade in the middle of the room talking about it like this is what this is what it's okay yeah because everybody knows somebody you know what i mean everybody and you know talking to the women in my house and you know just sitting down and having one-on-ones with them just talking to them and they you know they tell me it's almost like getting women getting their period it's so common it's right. like almost like an initiation right your first bra you're going to get raped by the way right. do you know what i mean like yeah. it's so common it's not okay and no one talks about it no one talks about it because the process that i went through i couldn't imagine a woman going through either or anybody for that matter you know the rape kits the hospitals and stuff like that like that is not okay we have a very flawed system you know um so this year for christmas we're collecting i love that yeah (laughs) this year for christmas we're collecting unused already wrapped in packages bras and panties because when you go into a hospital room and do a rape kit, they have to take your bra, they have to take your underwear. So when you leave the hospital, you're covering yourself up as if you're walking outside in public with no bra. So 
they don't they'll okay be, so where do these people if uh, somebody's listening because we have no idea who's going to listen to this and this could be all any over local the world. hospital okay so where you know what if they wanted to send them send can something. they send it they can send it yeah to you? send it to the recovery house i'm still working with hospitals and seeing if it's okay and stuff like that i'm very beginning well, stages if you, get, if you get millions yeah, yeah. of bras and underwear you're going to be okay yeah be we'll fine. be all right they'll be yeah, okay we'll be all right. i'm not gonna wear them positive i'm not gonna wear them but um it's um yeah, you can send them to 3405 Bristol Pike, Ben Salem, PA, 19020. And we'll have it written in the in yeah, this blog too. Yeah, yeah, and just send it out. And you know, we're gonna I'm gonna work, you know, I'm gonna work with one hospital and then hopefully it'll grow. And you know, anything to give somebody to walk out with a little bit more dignity, because I know from my own personal experience, I'm not gonna say who, but I was in the room with somebody I love very much getting a rape kit done and to see their eyes drain and to see their shoulders drop and their head drop from the girl I knew the day before and from the girl I knew after. But me talking about my experience, the only person she wanted in that room was me, you know? And I was able to s- sit there and understand and it's okay and, you know, comfort. Like, I'm not a comforting person by nature. It had to be learned, like, and I comfort this person you know, you could just see the life drain from this girl. And um, she had family around her to give her the bra and her panties so she can change and take a shower. And, you know, I know that's all you want to do after something like that's been happening. But, you know, a bra and a panty, could you imagine? Like, and I didn't even think of it. Like, I'm like, oh, ev- not everyone does have family where they can walk out after a rape kit. Even will listen to them. And someone give and them, them yeah. yeah. And someone give them you know, a brown beanie so they don't have to walk out covering their chest up and, you know, feeling weird. And it's just an awful, awful experience and an awful system. And, you know, that's why I want to be an attorney. I want to change that. You're changing it already right now. Because, <laughs> yeah. baby, you're just going on iTunes right now and you're going on Spotify <laughs> and you're going to be on Tweeted and you're going to be on everything. And um, you're a survivor. Yeah. And you are helping people. Yes. And God had you walk through this for a reason. And I feel so blessed that you came on here and Thank that you're you. sharing your story to Thank everyone. Thank you for asking me to Thank come on. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, Nikki, you're adorable. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much. You. And I'm going to put his photos going to be on here. You're going to be able to reach out to Nikki. I'm going to have his info on here. I'm going to have his website. I'm going to have everything <laughs> on here. And if anybody wants to reach out, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Absolutely. And, and it'll all be on the website. And, uh, awesome. you know, on business livingsober.com and uh, until next week everybody you know this is probably going to go on right before Christmas so everybody that's out there have a very 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 Merry Christmas. Yes Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and if you're alone please reach up and pick up the phone and call someone don't be alone. Pick, Don't pick up that drink. My Spencer always told me the first day you walk in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting you'll never stand alone a day in your life. Is that's not proven to me over and over again. It's true you don't have to be alone find a meeting wherever you are. Yeah Wherever you are, yeah. you don't You'll have to never be alone. stand alone a day in your life. Until next week, everybody, keep getting busy living sober. Bye bye. <laughs>